0: Hello and welcome back to an episode of the Lorgueaves. I'm one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm AE,
1: and I'm Bob. And where's Justin? Justin is hiding.
0: He's hiding. Why is he hiding?
1: GP Portland took it out of him. Oh wow! He couldn't get his locks to hold. Oh my goodness! He went in full
2: throttle. No. And missed. No. And we'll see him back hopefully next week. We mm-hmm. do have to. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention our uh, lovely Patreons and Card Kingdom. Go to Card Kingdom slash Lorgueaves. To use our affiliate link and uh, help us out. But also this week, we're sending a bonus foil card to one of our patrons.
0: So the lucky winner of this week's excellent foil is Timothy. Congratulations, Timothy.
2: Congratulations, Timothy. What has Timothy won? Well, one of my favorite cards, and apparently one of uh, many people's too, is uh, Conclave Cavalier. Michelle, uh, what what would you have named this
0: card? I would have named this I guess Elf Pinata, but that's because I'm not very clever with names. However, uh, because it splits into two Elves, people have been calling it Elf Coil Engine. Um, loading, Ready, Run, thank you for that particular name, because it's it's perfect. It just the, splits into two Elves, and you're like, ah, crap.
2: The idea of a uh, horse and rider in one for a... Centaur Knight is charming. I I enjoy that. I love the alliteration, of course. And I was trying to make this work in a Knight Tribal deck in standard. Maybe it will work once we have better dual lands in the next set. But anyways, Conclave Cavalier. Yeah, it's it may not just be for beating people up and limited. I hope uh, Timothy, you get to use this in constructed at some point as well.
1: I uh, I can't get past the two elves in a horse costume.
0: Yeah, I always get the idea that um, these are actually two elves in like a a like dancing lion costume you know like during asian new year you see uh folks in those dancing lion costumes like there's, there's usually two dancers and they've got the big uh foo lion and it's like dancing and doing cool stuff and acrobatic tricks yeah that's pretty much what i think is going on here it's just like you know this is Ravnica's version of celebrating autumn and uh you know who are we to judge
2: yeah i hate dancing to, elves i hate to yuck your yum but if no. you wanted a vorthos uh reason for this if, you, if it bothers you if not, you can just close your ears at this point. Close your ear holes. No. But if you want an ex- actual explanation, <laughs> it's simply that the conclave is very protective of its of its own. If any one of the conclave is killed, then they're they're likely to retaliate. In this case, two elves are kind of coming in after the death of one of their valued centaur knights.
0: Oh, I was really excited about just being a surprise. And then suddenly two elves burst out of nowhere. And next thing you know, you're fighting elves and it's just crazy. But I'm, I'm also willing to accept the sad death of a wonderful innocent centaur.
2: Well, you know, it was another sad death. There were a lot, in fact, in the second chapter of this upcoming book by Brandon Sanderson, which we're going to talk about. For the rest of this first part of this episode.
0: Yep. We have been blessed with a wonderful little novella by the ever prolific and very many award winning author Brandon Saracen also plays the game from what I understand. He's a very nice person. I've actually had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times when he came to do signings at my local bookstore. Borland's, he's just a really nice guy and and a very lovely person. Do you have a crush? No, he's just really nice. I actually just just, have a crush. I have a crush. Uh,
2: He's a very uh, (laughs) technically strong writer. He takes it very seriously. He's been doing this for a long time and it shows in his writing. You enjoy this story. Uh, what, what is the title, Michelle?
0: The title of this story is, uh, or the novella, is Children of the Nameless. And um, he's actually a prolific author who has done the Mistborn series. Um, so the thing about Brandon Sanderson is that he is known for creating these very intricate world-building uh, magic systems that are... Uh, really kind of hard coded. For example, um Mistborn, for example, has this thing where people will ingest various metals and depending on the metals you can ingest and actually use, you can manipulate like things around you. Like you can push things away from you. You can pull yourself towards things. It's very cool. There's another one called, I believe, uh, Warbreaker or Oathbreaker, I believe, or
2: Warbreaker, human- and I wanted to mention that one specifically. I yeah. think if you enjoyed this novella, you will likely also enjoy that Closer to novel, I believe, and the yeah. interesting thing is, he also released that one for free yep. initially.
0: And what's really cool is um, that particular law of mat, like the laws of magic, in that book are all about draining the color out of stuff and then using it to like do <laughs> cool stuff. So it's 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 a really interesting system. Brandon is a really thoughtful, creative writer, very, very strong writer. That's one of the reasons why he was chosen as Robert Jordan's kind of follow-up like author once he passed to complete the Wheel of Time series. So
2: You're welcome to speculate that perhaps his appreciation of the card game magic gives him additional insight into uh, and valuing structure Within his magics. And specifically, he he sets up rules within his magic system. And then often the the end game sees how to use that magic in a new way. And that results in them vanquishing their eventual problem due to what they've learned throughout their journey. Mm -hmm. So uh, he uh, uses an outline and does a lot of, of sorts. And really has... If you were to read this, his work and just think, oh, this is just incredibly masterful. Yes, and he's worked very hard at that. And certainly, if you want to be a writer, he does a uh, writing Excuses podcast where you can get a kind of get a hint of just the work and work he's put in over decades. So he has spent a long time getting where he is, and uh, I'm happy to see that um, this is really the writing pair we were all hoping for. Yeah, uh, Brandon no. Sanderson, Magic player and we can see that in a few inside jokes within his story actually writing for the magic story and this is a sort of story which could win awards and this is this is one of the goals that the franchise team had
0: yeah no it's uh definitely a really fun romp and with that why don't we go ahead and just talk a little bit more about
2: children of the nameless um, um perhaps we should set a few ground rules before we go in yeah so this i recording the The story just came out yesterday. I've read most of it, but not all of it at this point. Michelle, I believe, has read all of it.
0: I have read all of it. Bob, what is your experience?
2: About
1: 50%. For for
0: I'm a voracious lorgweif with a bottomless pit for a stomach. Yeah, I've
2: I've only read about 50% of
1: the story itself.
2: So I think we will not be discussing anything um, probably beyond the first third of the story. So not... So we might reveal something that happens in the first few chapters, but we're not going to reveal anything which happens later.
0: Yeah. So So no light spoilers. Yeah. So no end game spoilers for this particular section. But we are here to analyze and to have fun. So let's let's jump to it, Bob. I know you've got thoughts.
1: So I'm a little more critical. I've never so I've never read any of Brandon's work in the past. Mm -hmm. But I actually have been struggling to read this. Novella. Just because it's moving a little too quickly for me. It's jumping so fast and it's not giving me the reader a chance to actually care about Tessenda. Uh, Tacenda.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Correct me if you're I'm wrong, Bob, but I suspect what may be the problem is that uh you're experiencing that Ticenda's entire village dies within the first few pages.
0: Yeah, it's very um
2: and it's it's, it's so it's so much that it's it you can't really conceptualize what she feels in that amount of time. It's if, it's like plunging into cold water. And you're yeah,
1: because like when you get to know this character, so Willa the her her, her twin, twin sister, mm-hmm. like it's they Willia, build up actually. Is Willia. It Willia, it's yeah, Willia. It's pretty delightful oh,
2: actually. D- uh, Willia,
1: Will Willia Willia. <laughs> anyway. They build up this character. He's like, yeah, they're cursed. They have this thing where one sees in day, the other sees at night. They're terrified of the dark because they're stuck. Blah 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 blah. Congrats, they're dead. <laughs> what? Like, like 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 what? It's it's in the, sometime in the future. Everybody's dead. They all died ten days ago. And I was just like, well, why do I care? Like, how do a, I as a reader really come into caring about the main character and their plot? Yeah, and then the character just changes so much so fast.
0: Yeah. So the thing about novellas that I've observed in my time reading them is that you're you're often trying to tell a story and move things at a fast enough pace so that you get through that you can actually tell your story. And so I I understand the rushed uh, cri- feeling that you're getting the critique that you have about the novel. Oh, no, novella rather. Novellas are a very recent evolution within the genre fiction community, actually. And one of the more recent acclaimed ones was by Nnedi Okorafor, PhD, an awesome person to find on Twitter. She recently won a claim for her trilogy of novellas about Binti. And I felt the first one was also a little bit rushed, because in a very similar situation, I often call it like the the, the hero's like journey thing, where it's like, in a video game, typically you you end up with your entire village dead. Was it cr- no? Like of, the
1: the chosen survivor. The chosen
0: survivor. Um, yeah, that whole narrative is is very common and a very like easy way to ease into it. Like in Binti, for example, like not light spoilers. Like her the everybody on her spaceship is killed by jellyfish aliens, and it's very oh, traumatic. That sounds
2: wonderful. It's,
0: <laughs> and in, and in turn, like everybody here just randomly gets their souls ripped out of them. But I completely hear you
2: about... So the distance and thing yeah. is it's it's difficult to experience the full range of grief that she's feeling as a reader who has just jumped into this story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm fully welcome to admit that maybe novellas are not my cup of tea when it comes to my literature.
2: Yeah. I think in building this character the interesting point is that she has a tw- that she's a twin, she only seems ha- half During the daytime, there's a lot of interesting things, a lot of interesting writing to try to draw into the story. There may be that section, which is a bit distancing. But when we do start to feel for her, in my opinion, is that when we realize she's going to try to avenge herself on the man in the manor, and she's just terrible at it. She's going to
0: bring down the man.
2: She has The man of the
0: manor. She doesn't
2: have a real weapon. She has an ice pick. She has nothing but protection spells. She's the last person, really, who (laughs) should be trying to avenge herself. And this is... Paradoxically, you don't want your protagonist to be good at the thing they need to be good at in your story. So, yeah. the, her sister Willia, uh, love that name, would be good at avenging the family on this this uh, this man in the manor who is uh, Davriel Kane. But uh, this to is terrible. By the way, that's not his
0: real name. I don't think.
2: No, no, <laughs> obviously not. But how do you know she'd be good at it?
1: She's dead.
2: Yeah, she. That's she not- died on page
0: two. She, she dead. She real dead. She's and been so, dead for a week. What, what I do find interesting about this novella, though, is the, uh, and you kind of touched on this, Bob, a little bit, is the tonal shift that we get. Pretty much as soon as we meet Davriel Kane. Because up to that point, we get the chosen survivor narrative, right? It's really dark and it's sad and, and poor to send us like, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to hang out in this thing with Rob, but you know what? I'm gonna go hunt me down some man, some manner man. Uh, by the way, that's, like, my new favorite thing. He's just like, the man of the manor! Like, how can that be more, like, patriarchal? But anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, no, no! I, I understand. <laughs> Michelle is also totally on the side of the protagonist here, only because she's after to bring down the man of, of the man Of the manor.
0: I mean, to be fair,
1: I'm all for it, like to be back fair to the patriarchy
0: is also, you know, she's a compelling character and I, I feel for her, I guess the rush to narrative didn't bother me quite as much because I'm used to it when I play video games and novellas, uh, read novellas. but the moment this man swans into his bathroom and gets stabbed by her, like rather ineffectually
2: and only complains about his shirt. so he they,
0: He's just like my shirt. So this
2: character is, um, a, a fop, a dandy, he calls himself. And to my mind, these characters, uh, we've seen a few of them, um, is a homage to Oscar Wilde, or that sort of character, where he's just ridiculous, over-the-top, kind of grandiose, seemingly does not take himself seriously, is in fact very serious, deathly serious, and, and has some evil streaks to him.
1: Ironically, I, we've also learned that they're on a plane that's pretty far advanced. They've actually utilized mass production.
0: Um, to some extent,
1: his shirt is definitely a common in the booster pack. Yeah, yeah.
0: In the yeah. <laughs> what what is actually to to back things up a little bit though. Like so, when I first saw the cover with Davriel Kane on it. I just thought to myself, like I was very vocal about this on Twitter. Like, oh my God, this man looks as if he goes around bars trying to pick up women with sleight of hand tricks. Like He looks so sleazy, and he looks like a gender-bent version of Liliana. It turns out
2: he's trying to pick up demons. Yeah. So he was an accountant in his past life, or uh, before he sparked, and this perhaps gave him some insight in writing really devilish contracts which actually outsmart demons
0: yeah i i kind of feel like this is a giant punk on liliana like it's just like he's basically like yeah um when you're dealing with demons you kind of want to be sure that the deals you make with them are in your favor yeah lily oh <laughs> lily lily's never been one for fine print and, and,
2: and speaking of digs he he gets in a was it him no no okay we'll get we'll get back to that but one of the inside things that he does mention is like nice hats and this is Innistrad in case I was not oh clear oh my god so he, he has the hats <laughs> Sanderson slipped in the hats reference and Davriel's of opinion that the church has the best hats
0: the other thing too about Davriel that's great and I will go on for about Davriel for days we because will. he's such a dandy get comfortable date. Okay, so first of all, we love talking about, or I love talking about, the difference between white and black. And what's great about this novella is that he gets into a lot of great conversations with Tacenda about alignment. And so she believes in a world that has morals. She believes in a world that has evil in it. And then there's Davriel, who literally has like a coterie, like a posse of demons, just kind of hanging out in his manner.
2: So, would you say for color identity, of shirts. black or like black red?
0: I think he's black blue. He, other hand, I maybe, think he's a black. I think he's black blue.
2: I'm given his love of contracts. Blue. You think so? Yeah, okay. I think so. Well, I think, I think he's definitely black. That's he's just,
0: definitely black, and black has a love of decadence that's so wonderful. Like, the reason why he decides to investigate to send his whole village situation is because they make his favorite tea, and it's shirts, and rugs, and now he's just like, God damn it, I have to go, you you hurt what is mine, and that's a very black sentiment. Yes. And I must go figure this out because, damn it, I need to find more tea. Uh, So, one thing I do also love is that we get to see our first lady demon. And she's a...
2: And don't we ever. Oh, Oh my God.
0: Miss Highwater is amazing.
2: Or as she originally called herself... Now, correct me if I'm wrong... Voluptura the feaster of men.
0: I mean, hashtag goals. Am I right? Like, I would love that. I would love she, to be known as
2: hashtag the feaster. She is of men. like a great demonic role model. If I just say so I, myself. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't
1: think of except for the she's a man eater song. Yeah, the she's a man in the back eater.
0: Also makes great contracts,
2: <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't. <laughs> really good at keeping inventory. I really want to go into details of a contract. <laughs> do you think that's?
0: Yeah, too I don't think we.
2: I don't okay, think we that's far. Go too we won't, far. We won't do that, but suffice to say, oh, suffice it say to say, her? yeah. So she gets um, another great. I will. I will uh, reveal this because it shows another kind of insight. Brandon Sanderson has in the game. He tends to play older formats, so he's probably very aware of the card Dristle brand and its importance in older formats. Oh my God! Yes, and so she. She's like. She's she's like no, I don't date other demons. Have you seen them? They're so ugly. Some of them don't even have hands; they just have hooks.
0: They have hooks for hands. They literally have hooks for hands. And I could
2: be wrong, but Davriel might go on off on that for a while. But I do know that he goes off hard on necromancers. And frankly, I felt like I was personally called out, even, <laughs> even though even though I don't I haven't cosplayed. Uh, yes. off for a long time but I'm just gonna if I can find it, I'm gonna just read some of this long long dig that Davriel gets on Necromancers uh, he, he thinks that Necromancers only talent is quote that they've trained themselves to look at a dead body without getting sick never mind that corpses make for terrible servants the upfront work is a nightmare and then the maintenance the stench all for a servant who is even dumber than Crunchgnar <laughs> end quote
0: and Crunchnar is this big hulking demon who's like the muscle of the group, and and he's kind of big and adorable in a big beefy way.
2: Again, this is kind of like the foppish he's like, over the top. Like Hodor.
0: Yeah, he's kind of like, but he's smarter than Hodor. In like a, he can say more. Well, he's more well, he speech wise. He's yes. more advanced than Hodor.
2: But Bob, you're definitely right. Well, they he's treat mean him to her. They treat him like Hodor. Davril's mean to her, and he's mean to uh, the the feaster of men too. Yeah. To be fair, they do want to eat his soul.
0: Yeah, no, no, I mean, they're all, what's what's really wonderful is the way Davriel plays them all off each other. And I think the other thing I wanted to segue on slightly is the tone of, of like I mentioned before, the tone of this book changes so rapidly from sad, and everyone's dead, to like, oh, okay, we're going to sit around and talk about like pedantic, adorable luxury goods and wit and snark and glitter. And this just reads, I I actually likened it to another fantasy novelist. Uh, Her name is Gail uh, Carragher, who writes the Parasol Protectorate novels, which of themselves are actually derived a lot from Jane Austen in terms of the wit and the humor and the understanding of social protocol
2: yeah this character is very much like oscar wilde so this is a little bit different
0: very much uh, oscar wilde definitely black
2: red but i that's why i thought that davril but could be the same but it is possible that he's he's at least black but anyways (laughs) fluffy shirt and violet cravat are direct quotes
0: he has only 36 of them left now but they are very fluffy he he seems to
2: really love naps if we know anything about him it's that he loves naps
0: yeah, he's just lazy. I love. I just. I love this. I did not expect loving this character. The and smarmy I,
2: I, evil. Well, you should have known once he was evil that you would love him. No, that's Michelle. not true. Obnixilus is evil, and I don't okay, really give fine. a crap. But Ob uh, is uh, <laughs> not
1: evil he's just a little misunderstood
0: and the thing is I don't think Davriel is evil either
2: well I think he is I think in D&D character alignment definite evil he's just like this is the typical evil hero who uh, does what he does not because out of the goodness of his heart I think you're
0: being way judgmental here well, just, he would just, say
2: judgment is definitely morality, but he's, he's, he's <laughs> motivated not by helping others, but by uh, guaranteeing his own safety and his sense of pride and his sense of ownership over these people. I would put that more into the
1: neutral zone of like, doing for oneself. Yeah. For the betterment of oneself. I don't exactly. think that's necessarily evil. Maybe chaotic neutral, but I don't know if I'd say.
0: Preach, Bob. I, I agree with you. I don't think those are evil things at all. Looking out for yourself and making sure that your resources and the things that you care about are safe and and in constant supply like tea
2: is Totally legit. I almost forgot the tea, yes. Naps and tea seem to be his primary I, motivations in life.
0: I mean, I can't. No wonder
2: you like him so much, <laughs> Michelle.
1: I love
0: naps, and I have 50 kinds of tea.
1: Little well, do we know this is actually Michelle. Yeah. In man form. <laughs> I think maybe Michelle is the man bench. of the manor. Oh, oh my god. god. No. No. Michelle is it's the patriarchy. I'm No. <laughs> you
2: have to ice pick yourself now. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, if only I had, like, a squadron of demons to, like, hang out with me. Well, you're young. Lady
2: Snuffles,
1: are you actually a demon? (laughs) Lady Snuffles is actually a demon. She was trying
2: to convince us that she was a cat, but I'm beginning to have my serious doubts based on how violently she has sneezed on me. Demon!
0: (laughs) Demon! Demon Cat. Well, we will get to the second half of the book next week once we, once we, I think everybody's had an opportunity to read it. But I I think, I don't know if there are any other points that we want to talk about. I mean, I love. Uh, There
2: are definitely a lot of points. There
0: are a lot of points. I love that it's Innistrad, my favorite plane. But two, I love that it's also like, great, but. Yeah,
2: it's So to it's be clear, a few things fun. that we can say now. that it, it does take place after the Shadows of Innistrad. So the mo- moon is glowing with the rune kind of char- supercharged with Emrakul. And Sigarda is a new Archangel rather than Avacyn. And people are kind of reeling after getting uh, sucker punched by Avacyn. So we're getting to see uh, Innistrad in its progression. So that's quite fun.
0: Yeah, Innistrad has moved on. And it's nice to see that people are... Learning how to live um,
1: until Nahiri comes back and turns them all into stone. I think, Ni- in yeah, a, in, a, in a mad declaration of
2: let's, "Bring back my werewolves!" Let's imagine Nahiri core. just enjoying herself on a tropical island, but not excellent.
0: Okay, now I'm just get his image of like Nahiri joining Bolus and like heading out the Boros, and that would have been cool too. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna let that just sit there and and nestle into the brains of all of you fans. The figures.
2: location of the setting of the story is in some uh, remote valley. Which reminds me of Stencia, although it, it could be in Kessig.
0: Yeah, I was thinking it was Stencia.
2: Um, it, it feels like Stencia. It the feels sense like Stencia. They had a vampire lord. Yeah, and they're just by themselves, and they really are getting attracted to something like a gitrog monster.
0: Yeah, and they had, there's a like a swampy bog thing nearby, so that's why I'm thinking Stencia.
2: Bog with a capital B. Yeah, that's bog. a
0: bog. Bog. You don't right. just say like bog; it's bog. So, yeah, it is really fun. I would recommend finishing it. If anyone has started it, it is it, it would probably take a couple of hours, but it's worth it. It is just freaking delightful.
2: As I said earlier, this is what I always wanted and what I imagined and hoped for when we began this new system of writing and turned it into a franchise team. I admit, and we're not going to go deeply into this, but I can't be completely happy with it because it was edited by Nick Kelman and you're free to google search his name if you wish to know what my complaint is about him. So, yeah. it, it is uh, it is unfortunate. I feel it's kind of like a um a drop of oil in the well water and uh, it it prevents me from fully enjoying it.
0: Well, we all have to get completed sometime.
2: <laughs> with correction but, oil. But Not I understand if I, a lich
0: I understand first. the complaint and I and I empathize with it. Um that being said, I mean this was an unexpectedly awesome bit of writing, and I, I hope all of you enjoy it as much as I did. So with that, I think we're going to go ahead and transition to the second part of our show. Unfortunately, we do not have an ad today.
1: Uh, so yeah, we, before we head into our second segment, we I got a special kind of Loregoifs ad today. We don't have any of our goofy sponsors, but one of our real sponsors... Goofy? They're goofy <laughs> and amazing.
0: I, I think that they're incredibly... Gosh, I'm like sorry, like beds,
1: Those are pretty
2: goofy. Whereas Card Kingdom <sighs> is just sure boring. All they ever do is deliver your cards extra fast and extra fast. The cards super smart you want and with great service. And they're pretty good quality too. I mean, what are you going to do?
0: Card Kingdom is amazing. Um, if you're looking to get folks. Crescents for this holiday season, even if they don't play Magic, Card Kingdom still offers a bunch of really awesome board games. I know that there is one that came out recently that's basically like you are created, you have to create like a, a movie pitch given a certain number of prompts. And then people can keep adding like, what if we set it in the 1600s? Or what if the love interest was Shakespeare and things like that? So you've got to like keep going back and forth. And I think it's called like
2: movie plots, but um, I mean, the real prompt- it's really good. The real problem with Card Kingdom is there's no uncertainty or or any suspense. You know your cards will arrive on time, and just they deny you of that delicious agony.
0: And I know (laughs) that they also have a really fantastic giveaway right now. You could actually get an enamel pin of their uh, gorgeous mana symbol designs, which I'm a huge fan of.
2: They also will send you tokens, one of which the elf token I might use in a... uh, a deck that I've been working on, and I played for the first time at GP Portland. I think, is is it all right if we move on to that now?
1: Yeah, oh my God, just I'm in with... Card Kingdom, shut up and take my money. <laughs> and uh, thanks for being our first sponsor.
0: Yeah, thank you for being our first viral <laughs> our sponsor. first. Oh. And, and they're great. Also, um, if you do ever order anything from Card Kingdom, you can always get a Lorgoyf sticker. Just say, sticker, please, from the Lorgoyfs in your comments, and they'll be sure to pop one in to your shipment and send it to you.
1: All right, welcome back to our second segment where Michelle... Has been concocting. mastering the dungeons and concocting a plot
2: most vile. Yes, machinations. Yes. If that's how you pronounce that word, machinations. Machinations. Machinations.
0: machinations. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a reader. I'm a reader, not a speaker.
2: <laughs> I <laughs> Amen, sister. I don't say words out loud. If I've learned from anything from podcasts, it's that no one knows how to say English.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, um, as we've teased before, we are definitely going to be engaging in some D&D in Ravnica in between stories. And so I'm not really certain how long this campaign will be. It will not be like a year long. We're not going to go critical role like that. But we're hoping to create like a fun little one shot for all of you and all of us to enjoy together. So we've gone over what the setting is. This is going to be Ravnica, basically right during the current events of Ravnica and Guilds of Ravnica. And we've introduced a couple of backgrounds on our characters so far. But I'm sure you are probably wondering. What is this motley group of characters going to be doing here on Ravnica? And together, I mean, why would a Simic Biomancer, a Boros Minotaur Ingenue-like tryhard,
1: Yikes.
0: <laughs> a uh, somewhat shady um, Golgari druid, so have druid of the Fungus Spore Circle, connoisseur. and a Rakdos Drag Queen, what are they going to be up to? So, I want to give you a little bit of a teaser as to the premise and the backstory of a campaign I will call The Bloody Nightingale.
2: Oh, good.
1: Bomb bomb bom. Are we eating nightingales?
2: I am. <laughs> <laughs> Any which wander to, too deep into the darkness. I'm going to golem it up.
0: Yeah, we'll... Vibration. Y- <laughs>
2: so...
0: With that, let us enter the backstory of The Bloody Nightingale, a story of mystery of murder that takes place in the ever-busy District 10, the heart and the hubbub of the city and the plain of Ravnica. Ravnica. Azala Pellerin is or was the Nightingale of District 10. Her angelic face and melodic voice was the toast of the Rakdos, spurring her into ever greater heights as she became the star performer of the cult's most elite circus, the Bloody Beasts. Yet, despite her guild of choice and gory co-stars, Azala presented herself as a demure, gentle soul whose voice and songs could bring District tents' immense crowds to tears of grief or ecstatic joy. Her popularity crossed guild lines from the dusty Azorias to the secretive Demir. for who wouldn't be captivated by her sweetness and talent? However, after a rousing performance and an elite Orzov performance in Precinct 1, Azala was killed when the floor of her dressing room gave way and she fell to her death in the rocky catacombs below. No, I don't want to believe it! The Rakdos suspect foul play, and the populace are enraged that their darling Nightingale has possibly been Murdered! You've come together in a cross guild effort to figure out what happened, but you all have your own reasons for trying to find out what befell Azala.
2: Well, that is a delight. Thank you, Michelle. I, that's the first I've heard of that too. I lo- love the idea of a Rakdos playing innocent, charming like the demonic beasts around. I'm like, oh no, whatever shall I do? Wherefore at that Raktos? <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, she's obviously a demure spy, so... I mean,
0: well, there's only one way to find out. But I can answer questions about Azala Pellerin and also about the Ractos. The Ractos, of course, are a guild of performers that actually end up basically glorifying both the beautiful and the beautifully gory. <laughs> the thing about Azala is that I wanted to bring out the more pleasing aspects of the Ractos. Everybody always associates the guild with you know, spikes and chains and whatnot. And to be
2: honest, magic skews heavily towards the violent aspect. Exactly. Of all these and entities. the thing about the
0: Rakdos is that they're actually a guild full of satirists and artists. They're the ones who I would always argue would brew the best coffee on Ravnica because they're also really good caterers. And I think that like if the music industry, for example, in L.A. And, and elsewhere, like that would definitely be part of the Rakdos universe. And so I was definitely thinking of really amazing singers from the past, singers who have captivated the public imagination and are considered to be darlings. Because celebrity is a very potent thing over the populace. I mean, if you look at the death of, Diana Spencer, that was definitely a really big catharsis for the royal family, but also the world mourned. So I wanted to kind of highlight a new and interesting part of the Rakdos uh, that doesn't really often get covered. Everyone wants to think about blood, but they don't really think about, you know...
2: They don't think of the red light districts.
0: <laughs> they think, well, I mean, there, there is a red light district there, but that's just because it's Rakdos, not because they, they just like the color red. It's just there. But, um... As a star performer, Azala would have been basically the, the highest attaining rank within a troupe, which is how the Rakdos often form themselves, uh, without becoming the actual ringmaster. Someone like her, with her talents, I don't think would have had an interest in being a ringmaster because of her talent and also just the fact that she would bring all of the crowds in with her singing. So that is the backdrop to this entire campaign. And that is Should the quest. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see I what, what happens.
2: I already have my suspicions.
0: Mm. Well, we shall see what happens on your first campaign, which I'm hoping will be next week. Please complete your character sheets. Yikes.
2: <laughs> Shots fired. Calling
1: you out now. <laughs> Justin,
0: how dare you? <laughs>
2: So Justin and the rest of us were able to attend uh, Grand Prix Portland. We had the good fortune of being able to do that last week. Uh, what what struck you most about the event?
0: There were so many donuts. There a lot were of donuts. a lot of people bringing in donuts from Voodoo, and I have never seen a more Voodoo donut or just donut laden GP. Um, that is one of the first things I will say about wow.
2: That is this GP. That was
0: definitely not my takeaway. But <laughs> no. <laughs> you weren't the one who was being offered all these donuts. It was
2: kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm,
1: yeah. I, I'm actually super positive for Magic Fest, if GP Portland is kind of a guide. There was literally something for everyone, and it was a very solidly planned event.
0: Uh, it was definitely on the smaller side. There weren't any issues with the judging or with the event itself, which was really, really nice. Um, and it was a really great time. Uh, I got to see a ton of folks and we, we went out for awesome dinners and it was just a really wonderful, like heartwarming experience, despite the fact that it was really cold.
2: <laughs> e what was your experience? What, what to say first? I think my favorite part of it was seeing MJ Scott, who really introduced me to writing and magic, along with, uh, other cosplayers, uh, Delighted to see Tappy Toe Claws, Olivia, who was not content with the moon hole for Tesa, but had, in fact, a belly button hole as well. She makes great jewelry. We just learned that she's making an Orzhov signet, so delighted to see her work. She has a very strange Twitter name. What is it again? It is
0: Gobertix. Um, it's at Gobertix. It's her last name. Um, she
2: was also a, a But Yeah, to be to, a to more the
0: point, she was a Traxa. That was amazing! That is the most, like, next to Shalai. Like, I think they're on the same level as far as, like, most impressive cosplays I've ever seen. Yeah. Atraxa was amazing. and Those we, shoes, they those still shoes. <laughs> boggle
1: me. She literally took the shoe off and showed it to me. Yeah, And it was like, this is dumb. And Why like, am I showing you my threxian. shoe? <laughs> and I was like, this is, I don't know how you walk. I don't know how you do it. It, it makes was, no sense. It was
0: such a sight to see her come into the convention hall with her coterie of other cosplay friends who basically like girded her for, for battle as cosplay. It looked like something out of a medieval Squires textbook. Book like to you got you got to put the armor and bolt it in like on your knight. It, it very
1: much looked like she was being suited up for battle. It also kind of looked like a was
2: building an army of planeswalkers to take on Bolas. Yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes. I actually
0: so they, really
2: enjoyed that. Z, so if Z-Bex was there and she played a Great Thalia. Um, but one. In terms of uh, Atraxa, I remember most when she uh, gave her wings to Dana Fisher after Dana Fisher narrowly lost her winning in for day two. I'm happy to see her battle to the last round. She got further than I did. Uh, I think she has room to grow as a player, but so did her 40-year-old opponent. uh, And that's part of the joy of magic. I like her attitude. And I was, I did watch her final round of the day, too.
0: So yeah, and she did get a feature match, although we didn't get coverage. So that was kind of just...
1: Dana Fisher is also just an amazing person. She's she will inspiration, yeah. talk to anyone. She is polite. She is kind. She is funny. She like, is
0: so determined. She saw that Rubik's Cube in like...
1: Oh, yeah. like 10 seconds flat. Yeah,
0: it was like crazy so smart. smart. Crazy smart girl. I am looking forward to seeing her running this country uh, when she... Kinds of age.
1: I'm down for Dana Fisher in yeah, 2020. Dana
0: Fisher. 2020. 2020.
1: I, I will abolish that limit. No, I
2: won't. No. Yeah.
0: No. We, no, gotta, we can't no, do
2: no, this. So that's gotta go that's to just slavery, Yeah. She's
0: got to learn some
2: stuff. I did battle in the main event, and my experience was seems to be, have been different than uh, Bob's, at least. Uh, I perhaps because of my, uh, in part because I did not have any internet, so I felt like I was in a pit full of torment. Quick, <laughs> I had to stand right by my. Uh, uh, the pairings board. Oh, yeah, thank you. I had, to stand, I had to huddle by my pairings board for about 20 minutes and you once they stopped up the pairings, you had about a few minutes to muster your way through a mosh pit of uh, uh, aggressive Magic players and uh, I asked other people and I think the venue was too small for the number of people there combined with a lack of internet. felt like not the sort of battle I wanted it was a battle of shoulders and elbows I was almost knocked completely off my feet felt like if you were not massive if you were like a woman in this crowd you had a very likelihood of just being getting smashed and it was not a positive experience
1: definitely did not have any of those problems I also stand (laughs) six foot three yeah Uh, I, I
0: wasn't playing in the main, so I I didn't have that problem either. So, I can see
1: that. I, I yeah, do want to do. want to say though the, the lack of internet was actually not the GPS? Like that's not we that can't. It's not CFB. Issue. CFB can't. It was a it was a that.
2: massive black hole of at least AT and T, and it was it was my a, phone worked a hundred percent the mm-hmm. whole time.
0: My my phone was like medium. It was it wasn't running on full full gear, as it were. But yeah, I ended up. Um, just seeing a lot of friends playing a lot of great EDH, I, I managed to pick up a couple of Uma packs uh, for, for fr- oh, just for funsies, and then um, decided to play Pai Gao with them. I taught my friend how to play Pai Gao. Hi, Eric, uh, also known as Pragi Pragy Boog, I believe, and I won with Lab Maniac, which
1: was super cool.
0: Turns out, Lab Maniac is a completely viable way to win in Pai Gao magic. I highly recommend that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm actually really impressed with Ultimate Masters. It has been a very fun format to draft. Mm -hmm. Sealed? Oh, Sealed is tough.
0: Yeah, no. Tough. um, I know that you were doing the PTQ, and from what I understood, it was like, because it's such a synergistic, synergy-focused format, like, if you don't open what you need, then you're kind of boned.
1: In draft, it's very good. The Mm -hmm. archetypes are good. There's enough cards for everyone to go around. There are very few non-playables. This is it's in a very impressive master set. It's a little sad that this is gonna be the last one we see for a while, but it's also good that they've put out a good product.
0: Yeah, it was it's nice that we we're ending on a strong note and the box topper. Oh, I don't want to talk about box toppers. Oh I'm sorry. Um well they're
1: Stupid beautiful case. <laughs> and
0: uh yeah, they're they're pretty and it was really fun getting to see people open them over the weekend. Fun but also disappointing. I don't know. These these are always it's going fun. to be.
1: It's fun. It's fun. I'm a little salty that I got one of the the sillier ones, but you know, you you crack a pack, you're gambling. Yeah. You can always win. Exactly. I, I do want to give a yeah.
2: shout out to some other great cosplayers there. I mentioned Zebax briefly. Uh, she played. Thalia? She played Amara was she was a sharp thalia, but also she played Amara in the main event with this huge staff. Uh, props to her for that. Uh, she's a battler. Also, Gabby Carter was there in her real slick Stitcher Supplier outfit. Just man, oh, those stitches, so they got me worked up.
0: of um, Audrey Oradesu. Um Thank she you. what played uh, she was an excellent Civic Biomancer slash like cytoplasm manipulator, such a good costume. Love you you're so sweet, who plays Teferi? that 's david um he is um i believe I forget, david Ramirez i believe on on um Twitter and uh, our friend Andrew decided to be gender bent tro, which was really funny um, that was or atrato, as it were yeah,
2: very good, yeah, and I frankly want to briefly mention um uh, across across the country in SCGCon, con props to tarmocat. Vanessa Lay and Nyssa Cosplay for their smashing cosplays in the snow. That was just some of the most beautiful cosplay pictures I've ever seen. They took my breath away.
0: And thank you to everybody who came up to us uh, during the GP to say hi and to, you know, to let us know that you listen. It really means a lot to us when you come to us and tell us that I'm, I'm still surprised that people listen to us sometimes, even though like objectively I really shouldn't. However, Every person who's come up to us um, at every event and said hello, like we really, really appreciate it. Please accept our deepest gratitude for continuing to listen to our ramblings and being such great fans and great supporters.
1: I yes. love you. I communally we will all be at GP Oakland
0: yes we all because
1: that is our stomping grounds if you will yes it is it, our backyard it is, might be shocking but it comes into play untapped <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think that Oakland really
2: taps for green and red I like I don't
0: think
1: it does when
2: Oakland when the air is on a smoldering ruin it's definitely dealing too damage to me <laughs> California new wildfire season is not a treat but hopefully that will not be the case when you're coming here when we welcome you to Oakland and we look forward to seeing you
1: yeah come up talk to us I know I Personally, will have uh, stickers. If you come up to me and say, "Hey, I love your podcast. Can I have a sticker?" I will happily give you any
2: stickers I have
1: left.
0: I also will give you stickers because you're awesome, and you should have stickers. And the stickers are good.
2: One last cosplay shout out: that gal Carolyn played a great Ractos Whip artist. Yes, that was a lot of fun.
0: And with that, I think that's everything we have for today's episode. And so, thank you again for tuning in. And we will be back next week, hopefully, to kick off The Bloody Nightingale. And uh, we'll definitely be chatting about the end of Brandon Sanderson's novella. So, until then.
1: Quick shout out to our patrons CardKingdom.com,
0: our sweet
1: editor, Yosh.
0: I love you, Yosh. I love you our so hero. much. And uh, with that, I've been one of your hosts, Michelle. I'm
2: Bob. And I'm AE.
0: And we'll see you next time. And Take me. care. But again, thank you to everyone for listening. We actually didn't manage to get an episode out last week because we were at GP Portland. The 90s still seemed very alive in Portland. Uh, (laughs) Like, we we discovered that GP Portland still had damage on the stack, and and mana burn was still a thing. Jay with the 90s, still
1: alive in Portland, even in magic form. Hi, Lady Snuffles. Um, Catbutt. Um, lady snuffles be snuffling.
0: She be snuffling. Every
1: day she's snuffling. Snuffling.
0: Azala Pellerin is or was the Nightingale of District 10. Get off
2: there. Go on. Go,
0: my cat is stuck What happened to What happened
2: to the Nightingale, Michelle? Just a second. I have to free my cat, Okay.